Let us pray. God, we always thank you for this opportunity that we take for granted to freely gather here and worship you. God, may our worship be that as you pointed the woman at the well in spirit and in truth. And as we continue this journey to the cross with Jesus, may you open our hearts and minds that for which we need to see, hear, and understand more clearly. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing this journey through Jesus' last words or phrases. There are seven of them. Uh, we will hit five of them between our Wednesdays and the Good Friday. One of those, of course, missed by snow, which hopefully we're done with all that. And so we'll finish up on next Friday. And of course, just kind of as a way of review, we've looked at Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Today you will be with me in paradise. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This one that we look at today, I am thirsty or I thirst, is to me of all of the phrases that Jesus used on the cross, perhaps one of the most curious. It's short, it's simple, it's the shortest of the phrases, it's not recorded everywhere. I'll get to that, why we think it's recorded in John in particular. It seems, though, in some ways out of place. But it really is a reminder that Jesus specifically chose to suffer. That Jesus took the uncomfortable and inconvenient way. That though he was doing the Father's will, this was Jesus' choice. A choice to suffer. Now, we rarely choose to suffer. In fact, at, at best, we choose a smaller suffering over a larger suffering. But Jesus chose this suffering. Bill read in the first reading a lesson that goes with this in a lot of ways because it too is about a drink that is offered to Jesus. This is on the road, uh, on the road to the cross. And there's a lot of commentary about this. And Jesus refuses this first drink, but as we read here and I'll talk about, he accepts this second drink. The first drink, though, was a little different. It was made of something different. And there's some argument about whether it was a substance that would have hastened Jesus' death. Maybe it was a little poisonous in nature, so Jesus didn't want to take the shortcut out. There's some that say perhaps that this drink, the way it was concocted, that may have numbed Jesus' pain. Again, another easy way out. Whichever it might be, whichever theory we might choose to ascribe to, Jesus rejected that drink and instead chose the harder way. The way of Christ is often the harder way, in case you didn't know. The assumption that life gets easier when we choose to follow Jesus is false. It's false based on my experience, based on those I've encountered. It's certainly false based on the scripture. But it certainly gets less lonely. It is certainly God-filled. It is the right direction, the right journey. But make no mistake about it, it is not the easier journey, especially in the world in which we live. Not just now, but you could pick 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 30 years ago. And so Jesus models, he teaches us on the cross again in these moments, in these words for us. I am thirsty. 
We see Jesus as full humanity in this moment. Last week, I talked about that phrase and whether it was, uh, you know, a, a phrase of, of, of the, the fully God reality of Jesus or the fully human reality of Jesus. And some of you weighed in as you left, and I, I enjoyed that. I think that's a great part of our dialogue. This, while there is a spiritual aspect to it, we see Jesus' full humanity here when he says that he is thirsty. Many of those who are sick... And you think about the times you've been sick, times you've had surgery, we're thirsty. Water, ice chips. But those who are dying, actually, this is quite common. When someone is nearing death, it's quite common for them to have this unquenchable thirst. Even, even though they maybe have not consumed liquids or food in days, they, they hunger, they crave water or ice chips. I've been in the hospital so many times or with hospice folks so many times where this is what they do, offer these ice chips to another. It is a lot of times what happens when we're nearing death. That Jesus, this is a sign of Jesus nearing death, this thirst that Jesus has. They use a sponge on a stick, and why a hyssop plant? Well, there's not a lot of argument other than its length. It wasn't necessarily very long because the cross wasn't necessarily that high up, so a, a short stick, a short plant that an average height person could hold up, and this was really the only way to get liquid to somebody on the cross. They obviously couldn't use their hands. They couldn't tilt their head back, and so when they gave liquid to somebody on a cross, this was the way to do it, was with the sponge. This liquid they offered him this time was something different. It was a, a watered-down wine, basically. It was a common man drink. Nothing special, but nothing awful. It was probably what the soldiers were consuming as they were there in that moment. The soldiers had to drink to do what they did. Understandably so. And so it was this liquid that they had in this moment of desolation, of isolation, of scorn as Jesus hangs on the cross, as he comes to his last moments, he shows some vulnerability and says, I thirst. And it's interesting because most people believe that the soldier who gave him this drink was the same soldier who, after he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The soldier who said, Surely this is the Son of God. The widely held belief is that it was that soldier who took the sponge and the liquid and offered it to this dying king, this dying Christ. Jesus was thirsty. Thirsty not only for a drink as he came to his end, but thirsting to be with the Father. You see, we have physical thirst, and we have spiritual thirst, and a lot of stuff in between. The emotional, the mental, the psychological, whatever terms you'd like to use. And I believe in this moment, Jesus is thirsting for both. Even in his willingness to suffer, he's ready to be with the Father. There is this physical thirst as he really physically experiences this death. It's the beginning of the end for Jesus. 
And I love this moment because of its vulnerability. Because we see this fully man experiencing pain and suffering for us. That in this suffering, in his thirst, Jesus reminds us as he does on the cross and in his ministry, in his words on the cross and aside from the cross, that he understands our suffering. That's one of the corners on the market that Christianity has that makes Christianity distinct. It's one of a handful of things, I believe. A God who has experienced and understands human suffering. And while we all have suffering, and sometimes it looks better than somebody else's, sometimes it looks worse than somebody else's, I've yet to find some human suffering that really befits this here. Our God understands our suffering. Our God understands our thirst. We thirst for so much. Success, peace, sleep, spring, acceptance, retirement, health, family, restored relationships. For God, all of those thirsts at their core are about God. We thirst for so much. And John really liked to talk about thirst. Water was a theme for John. We have this passage about the woman at the well. This Jesus who is the only one who can satisfy all thirsts. It's ironic to me that one of Jesus' last phrases, his third to last phrase really was, I thirst, that the one who, the only one who can satisfy our thirsts, all thirsts, was thirsty himself in this moment. John liked this theme. It's good for us to understand. We can all understand thirst. We all crave something. And in this beginning of the end, Jesus fulfills the scriptures. We'll get to one of those last phrases on Good Friday. He fulfills the scriptures. But he points us not just to human thirst in the midst of suffering, but to thirsting for the Father. But that's what our thirst should really be all about. Our, our craving, our desire, our need, our thirst should first be about Jesus and then let the other stuff fall into place. But so often we chase all these other things and hope that Jesus is going to bless it or join us or make it keep happening. I'm guilty of that all the time. It's natural human instinct. But our thirst should be only for Jesus. In this moment of thirst, Jesus points us to the cup of suffering, the literal and symbolic cup of suffering, that Jesus suffered for us. He took the cup for us so that we could be with God, so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could know the God of the universe and be in relationship with the God of the universe. He took the cup. This act that we do that is more than symbolic, that has such deep meaning, that we're reminded of what Jesus took on for us. But we look 
in this moment when we take the cup for Jesus to fulfill all our thirst. I thirst. Who could have thought that two simple words, three simple words could teach us so much? Jesus knew agony, knew pain, knew suffering, understood and experienced rejection, understood and experienced hunger and thirst, pain and isolation in his death. And while I don't like to think that Jesus did that for me, I love knowing that because of that, Jesus understands my suffering. Jesus understands my thirst, understands my joy and my challenges. That this distinct figure of Christ, God who walked on the earth, experienced things that we experience, not because he had to, but because he chose to. We all want to be understood, right? We want to be understood by those around us. We want to be understood more clearly by those that we love the most. What a great joy that we have a God who created all things that understands us completely. Not just because of knowledge, but because he lived. He walked the earth. He suffered. He died. Thirst. We've all been thirsty. What is it that you thirst for? Because if it's not Jesus, <coughs> you might want to look to a different cup. Because there's only one cup that can fulfill our first. There's only one relationship that can fulfill all of our needs and desires and wants, the things that we know about and the things that we don't even know about, and that is Jesus. This cup is extended to us that we get to share in this with the Lord of the universe. I am thirsty. Our God, fully human in the midst of his suffering, understanding us, but pointing us to a thirst greater than water, greater than success or achievement or health but pointing us to the Father. And it's in God that all thirst is fulfilled. Jesus, the one who fulfills all thirsts, was thirsty. He understands. More than anyone else that we could ever know or love. Tell me any other faith, any other experience that offers a promise like that. I am thirsty. We're all thirsty. May we go to the only one who can satisfy those thirsts. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these words of Jesus on the cross, for the reminder that they serve for us that Jesus experienced pain and suffering and thirst. Yet, this same Jesus who experienced these things can fulfill us in the midst of all these things. 
Help us to look to that Jesus, not just in this day or this next week as we journey towards the cross, as we celebrate the resurrection, but in each and every moment of our lives. It's in the name of the same Jesus we pray. Amen.